oh, oh. That gliding baseball rag. See the pitcher throw and strike him out. You got him going. Oh, oh. That gliding baseball rag. Don't you be a quitter. Show him you're a heavy hitter. Some classy curve the pitcher twirling. Go on, kids. Spin without a whirling. Hey, soak it out. Soak it out. Make a home run. Ball. Strike. Safe hit. First base. Make second. You're a bird. Keep it going, Sonny. Make me win a lot of money. Don't stop until you're clutching third. You're a holy terror. Center fielder made an error. Slide, slide. You made a good beginning for you know that your team always makes a winning when you play ball and sing that baseball rag. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Friday, August 11th edition of Free Baseball, the podcast that goes into extra innings and walks the extra mile to bring you the best in observation, insight, and analysis of your national pastime. I'm your host, Robert Cadera. Fourteen seasons ago, the New York Yankees, led by shortstop Derek Jeter and with Joe Girardi at the helm, won the 2009 World Series. It seemed like nothing out of the ordinary at the time, In the 14 seasons prior to that, the Yankees had been to the postseason 13 times and had won four World Series. The 2009 World Series trophy took its place among the 27 Yankee championships, the most in the history of North American professional sports. At the time of this broadcast, the 2023 Yankees are currently in the American League East cellar. 11 and a half games behind first place Baltimore, they find themselves sixth in the race for the American League wild card spot, five and a half games behind the Toronto Blue Jays. The Yanks have lost six of their last 10 games, losing ground in the wild card race to the Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, Toronto Blue Jays, and Seattle Mariners, four of the five teams ahead of the Yankees in the wild card standings. This is no longer the renowned Yankee team of decades past. They have not won a championship since that 2009 season, and only one crown in the past 23 years. What has happened to this proud franchise? Why are their fans up in arms? We'll take a look at that in the feature segment of this week's show. In our Unsung Heroes segment, We'll continue to focus on teams of note. This time it will be the 1947 New York Giants, the first of the modern-day home run-centric teams, a team that hit a then-unheard-of total of 221 home runs and ended up with little to show for it. And finally, we'll have the answer to last week's trivia question and a new stumper for next week. So hang on, everybody. Jane, take it away.
This year's New York Mets have taken their well-deserved share of criticism on this show and from fans and sports writers alike, but their crosstown rival Yankees shouldn't be let off the hook here. This is, after all, a storied franchise that once won three World Series in a row. A decade later, they won four World Series in a row. And the decade after that, they won five World Series in a row. Everybody wanted to be the Yankees. Remember, as Yankee ownership and fans all agree, making it into the postseason is not enough. The pride of the Yankees is built on championships, not making it into the AL wildcard round. Going into this year, the Yankees were favored by most to win the Eastern Division, not to be bringing up the rear. GM Brian Cashman and manager Aaron Boone have both been hung in effigy. As the fans' frustration mounts, I have to say I do not see a quick solution in sight. The decline of the Yankees has been long-term and gradual. We are not in the day when George Steinbrenner can go out and buy himself a murderer's row for hire. If you don't believe me, talk to any knowledgeable Mets fan. It's going to take a while for the Yankees to dominate the AL East if they ever again do. A glance at the current team illustrates the depths of this franchise's long-term needs. Let's start with a question. Who was the last all-star starting pitcher developed by the Yankees' farm system? If you're being honest, you know it was Andy Pettit, and he debuted in 1995. It was 28 years ago. The cream of the Yankees' rotation since then has always been made up of free agents like Garrett Cole, Masahiro Tanaka, Mike Messina, David Wells, or CC Sabathia, or starters obtained from other teams like Nestor Cortez, Randy Johnson, David Cohn, or Roger Clemens, homegrown pitchers who have developed and been consistent starters just haven't happened. The same thing is true to a lesser extent in the bullpen. The Yankees developed the greatest reliever of all time in Mariano Rivera, and with him, David Robertson. They did the job, but the rest of the recent pens have been filled through the years by acquisitions, Araldus Chapman, Mike Stanton, and now Clay Holmes. My point is this. If you don't draft and develop your own young talent, or if you have to trade away your prospects for other teams' veterans, you'd better be sure you win those deals. Otherwise, you end up where the Yankees are now, an old, less athletic team with a very ordinary farm system that has no surefire young stars in it. As things stand, the current Yankee team has essentially a one-man rotation. Garrett Cole is the only starter they have who is reliable year in and year out. Clark Schmidt's showing a few signs of being a back-of-the-rotation guy. Nestor Cortez has been both injured and ineffective this year after a surprise season in 2022. Domingo Herman tossed a no-hitter. Now he's out for the year at least while he undergoes alcoholic rehab. 
two years after missing a season, suspended for beating up his wife. What shall I say? He's a pitiable figure out there. I'm talking, of course, about Luis Severino. He is unpitchable. And if you look around the diamond, you get more of the same. At catcher, Jose Trevino, a deft trade pickup from the Rangers, is out for the season with shoulder surgery, and he's never been much of a hitter. Higashioka has a decent glove, but a .224 batting average. His current performance is below replacement level. Backup Ben Rortfeld is hitting, if that's what you want to call it, 107, and he carries a career batting average of 154. The only catching prospect in the farm system is Austin Wells, a marginal catching talent with a power bat, but he's played exactly 16 games this year due to injury on the AAA level. There is no depth in the Yankees system. Somewhere along the line, Brian Cashman figured it was good business practice to take on over-the-hill veterans both in trades and on the free agent market. Why did he take on Josh Donaldson's contract in order to get Ben Rortvelt? And why did he include Gary Sanchez and Gio Ursula in the deal so the Twins would include utility man Isaiah Kiner-Falefa? Is this any way to run a baseball team? We haven't even mentioned Giancarlo Stanton, whom the Yankees acquired from the Marlins, a team desperate to shed his contract. Stanton is now 33. His knees are shot. He's really only a DH, and he's currently hitting 203. The Yankees still owe him $98 million over the remainder of his contract. After D.J. LeMahieu's fine 2022 season, Cashman re-signed him to an extension. But LeMahieu was already 33, and Cashman gave D.J. a four-year deal through his age 37 season. The predictable injuries followed, and LeMahieu is now hitting a soft 240. Anthony Rizzo was a compelling story, and he fit in well last year, but Cashman then signed the 33-year-old first baseman to a three-year deal with an option for a fourth. The Yankees will owe him a minimum of $40 million over the course of the extension. The only youngster of promise in their lineup these days is shortstop Anthony Volpe. He hints at talent every now and then, but he's hitting two eleven with a two ninety on-base percentage and 118 strikeouts in his first 115 games. He has a long way to go to be better than league average. On top of it all, Cashman constructed a team that relies far too much on two players, Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge, both already in their 30s. Cole's contract runs five more years after this one, and he's owed $180 million. Judge's contract runs for eight more years for a total of $320 million. Cashman put this team into the position where one, just one injury to either of these guys would destroy the team's chances for success. It's happened to Judge this year. Will he be a superstar when he's 39 years old? Will a 37-year-old Garrett Cole still be dominating American League hitters five years from now? Don't get me wrong. 
I love Cole and Judge. They are two of the game's finest stars, but Cashman has not done the job of constructing a team around them. What can the Yankee ownership do? Well, for starters, Hal Steinbrenner needs to fire Cashman and Aaron Boone. He has to hire a younger, more visionary GM and a better manager than Boone, whose theatrics the other night were embarrassing. Then Yankee ownership needs to open up the vault and pour money into the farm system, as well as signing free agents on the younger side of 30. Do not trade for any high-priced marquee names who are past their prime. Let me repeat, don't trade for any high-priced marquee-named veterans who are past their prime. Take a page from the Mets owner Steve Cohen's playbook. Admit where you're headed is the wrong way to go. Change course and do the hard work of developing talent and then managing it wisely. Get younger, get faster, Get healthier. My fondest wish is that one season soon, we can have another Subway series, but I'm not betting my ranch on it. That fanfare means it's time for our Unsung Heroes segment. This week, we have a most unusual team to explore. Suppose I told you this team had a catcher who hit 35 homers, knocked in 122 runs, and hit 305, and that they also had a first baseman who hit 51 home runs, knocked in 138 runs, and hit 302. Suppose this team obliterated the single-season home run record of the 1936 Yankees, one of the greatest teams of all time, and that this team had a right fielder who hit 36 dingers and 102 RBIs, a center fielder who had 29 home runs, a young right-handed starter who went 21-5 in 248 innings, backed up by a lefty who won 15 games against only 10 losses. Would you pay to see them play? Would you even pay to see them play in September? Because the 1947 Giants didn't even make the first division of the National League that year. What they did do was establish the template for many teams that followed well into the 1950s and beyond. I'm thinking of the great Dodger teams in Brooklyn in the mid-1950s, the 1961 Yanks, the 1956 Reds. In short, any of the modern teams that try to win by bludgeoning their opponents into submission. The Giants in 1947 featured the power of Hall of Famer Johnny Mize, Walker Cooper, Willard Marshall, Bobby Thompson, and others. They obliterated the single-season home run record by hitting nearly 40 home runs more than any team ever before, 221 round-trippers. Alas, hitting home runs was about all they did with any success. They couldn't run at all. A team total for the season of 29 steals in 55 attempts. The only above-average glove they trotted out onto the field was young shortstop Buddy Kerr. No doubt about it, the 1947 Giants did only one thing well, 
and not enough other things to be competitive. They were the first major league team to hit over 200 home runs in a season, and they became the blueprint for many unthinking teams in the years ahead. Field a lineup of famous names. Mashers well past their prime. Forget about base running. Forget about glove work. Don't even worry about the depths of your pitching staff. Are you listening, 2023 New York Yankees? Still, the 47 Giants must have been a fun team to watch after wartime baseball with its cork-centered ballata ball. Baseball fans in 1947 had a team that brought back memories of the sluggers of the 20s and 30s. So, a slight tip of the hat to the 1947 New York Giants. It's trivia time now. Last week's trivia question was about a well-traveled ball player who played for eight different teams in a nine-year career. He was a regular outfielder. He was a designated hitter. He hit as high as 329 when he won the American League Batting Championship, but he also hit as low as 239. No, this is not Dick Allen. He was a guy that no manager could handle. But this guy, this well-traveled bat, runs a close second. Who is he? Well, some of you may remember Alex Johnson. Alex Johnson won the American League Batting Championship for the California Angels, then called the Los Angeles Angels, in uh, 1970. He also played for the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Cleveland Indians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Yankees, among others. I guess, though, when you play for eight different managers and you can't get along with any of them, it's time to move on. Now here's our trivia question for next week. We already met the 1947 Giants, the first team to hit 200 home runs in a single season. Can you name the first major league team to both hit 200 home runs and steal 200 bases in the same season? I'll give you a clue. It's a National League team, but that's all I'm going to tell you. You'll have to tune in next week to find out the answer. Well, that's it for this week. I'd like to thank you for stopping by. Hope you make it back a week from today, Friday, August 18th. We'll have another show for you. Thanks for stopping by. The Free Baseball Podcast is brought to you by Black Range Publishing, producers of the Gabe McKenna Mystery Series and the Black Range Pub Podcast. You can find us at www blackrangepublishing.com. Free baseball can also be found at the following podcast platforms, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. Come back and enjoy free baseball every Friday. I'm your host, Robert Cadera. Thanks for stopping by. See you next week. (laughs) 